The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz Ingrassi and Ed McClune. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the Hoffman Connection. This is Raz Ingrassi. I'm the president of the Hoffman Institute, and we're coming to you from beautiful San Rafael, California, Northern California, near the Golden Gate Bridge. And um, if you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we're celebrating 45 years as a leading personal development uh, company, nonprofit organization, I might add, uh, helping people who are serious about change. The Hoffman process has been shown through scientific research to produce more change, more documented change than anything that's ever been studied in the research literature. We have 16 sites across 11 countries, and we've helped about 85,000 people worldwide with our programs uh, of profound change. So my co-host, Ed McClune, is here with me. And uh, over to you, Ed. Good afternoon, Edward. Great. Well, I am a teacher of the Hoffman process. I've been doing that about 21 years, also a coach as well as a marriage and family therapist. And our purpose here with the Hoffman Connection is to bring you some inspiration, education, and tools through a variety of guests who are both familiar with our work and have something incredible to offer on their own just to help you connect to a life that you would love more deeply. And certainly our guests have connected to a life that uh, is inspiring and I'm sure they love quite deeply. And to introduce Shauna and Maurice, we'll throw it back to you, Raz. Thank you. So today we're joined by husband and wife team, Shauna McGee and Maurice Taylor. I guess we've known each other for over 12 years and they are internationally known relationships experts, uh, licensed marriage and family therapists, and co-authors of a groundbreaking, revolutionary relationship book called The New Couple, Why the Old Rules Don't Work and What Does. And their book has 10 rules, 10 new rules for uh, offering transformational possibilities in your relationships. They, of course, also do workshops. and uh, But they have the 10 new laws of love, helping everyone accomplish quickly and with a minimum of heartache, a, a better, happier uh, set of relationship possibilities. They, they, of course, are also speakers, seminar leaders, and so on. But uh, I'm really excited to have them here, and uh, I consider them to be just highly knowledgeable, fantastic people, and very, very alive and a lot of fun. So 
The new couple, why the old rules don't work and what does. So what's changed? Why don't the old rules work anymore, Shauna and Maurice? Well, Ed and Raz, the the simple uh, answer to that is that to stay in love these days, to preserve our best friendship and our sexual chemistry, which is the way we define love, to stay in love these days, we actually have to learn how. We need to embrace a learning curve that includes relationship skills and a healing curve. We have to be willing to heal any buttons or blind spots from the past that that are problematic in our relationship. I think most of us learned to, at least what we learned from watching our parents, was to dance around that stuff and not bring it up and pretend denial, pretend it didn't exist or do worse. But uh, you're really saying that that's, that's, that stuff's not going to cut it anymore. Well, Rez, yeah. I mean, we either danced around it if we grew up in homes that were characterized by a Cold War or we were in the middle of a war zone. We were taking bullets. We were collateral damage if our parents were engaged in a hot war. Either way, either form of conflict, without, without the kind of transformative work that we provide couples to really help get at what's underneath the garden variety conflicts, to make sure that each party in the couple, each partner feels like they have a life that's worth living, that they're satisfied, that they have a mission in life that, that sings, that, that really supports them, that they're inspired by, and that they have self-love that is on the rise. Our self-love is, is something that, uh, as you guys so well know with the Hoffman process, that's something we're working on our whole life long. And self-love and deficits of self-love show up in relationship like nowhere else. Yeah, if, I, if a person doesn't love himself or herself and respect himself or herself, it's pretty hard to um, imagine someone else doing the same thing. And, and I think, you're, you know, the way I look at it, it is a matter of uh, loving and respecting yourself while you love and respect the other person and having that person love and respect herself, even as she's loving and respecting me, so that it's a, it's a um, how can I say it? It's a, a, it's a growth Kind of a growth game. I mean, I heard you once, didn't you speak about the, the new mixed marriage as, tell, tell me a little bit about what you, what that's about, the new mixed marriage and the lack, lack of self-growth. Well, the new mixed marriage is a great, it's a great concept. It's a, it's a term that Shauna coined, and I'm going to let her explain it a little bit. It's her baby, actually. I'm, I'm very good at talking about it, but it's her, it's her brainchild. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's simply, it's simply a really, it's simply a couple in which one person has embraced a path of personal development and the other one hasn't. You know, we used to have, the mixed marriage, uh, implies something else from the past, but we're saying a new mixed marriage is really one person's on the path and the other person isn't and is not planning to get on the path. It's just not inspired. And this really does, uh, represent a crisis. Uh, for the relationship, and we, we see a lot of uh, couples who come to our office in this state. You can imagine people are dragged, either the man drags the woman, but much more, much more commonly the woman, woman drags the man in heterosexual couples, that is, and, and, you know, she's on a path, and she's inspired, and she's growing, and she wants her sweetie to do the, the same thing, and we've seen it so many times that it's, you know, if that guy or gal, but it's more commonly the guys, we're the ones dragging our feet, aren't we, guys? Ed and Raz. Never. No, I don't. <laughs> Me. <Yes. laughs> we're the but ones dragging our feet. We're the ones I mean, in the this, evolution. I mean, there's no big, question about it. I say yeah. somewhat yeah. tongue in cheek that we, you know, we are the troglodytes of our of our species, and we're keeping things. 
we're keeping things constricted here. But anyway, the idea is that if somebody is not willing to come to that trough on their own, another thing that Shauna says that I think is so brilliant, I quote my wife often, is that you cannot even lead a horse to water. And this is a lot of good foreplay, you should know. <laughs> Explain this a little bit more. You cannot yeah. even lead a horse to water. They're not ready. You know, I, I'm remembering doing our workshop a few years ago in London, and these guys were filing out, and they were thanking us and saying, oh, brilliant, wonderful, loved it, it was great. And we stopped, and we said, you know, just please tell us, how is it that you, you got here? And this one guy said, I didn't want to come at all. He said, you tell tell these these wives and these women partners Drag the guys here by the hair. Well, it is. I think it's. It is the case. I mean, even with Hoffman, we have about fifty-five percent participants are women, and the other forty-five percent, of course, are men. And um, I was talking to a friend uh, some years ago, and I was telling her that uh, we'd love to get it fifty-fifty, and she said. Well, you have amazing statistics. You said mostly it's about 80% women yeah. and 20% men. So it is true that women are on the forefront of this uh, personal growth movement. But I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> is it the case then? I mean, if two people in a relationship and they both take on their personal growth, what? how does that affect the relationship? What does it mean uh, as compared to being in a power struggle or just trying to survive. I mean, what what new enters the relationship when both people take on their personal healing and their personal growth? Well, Raz, it's such a good question, and, and you allude to the power struggle, which is what we used to call the middle stage of relationship. We now call it the flashback stage. But that begins with the first stage of relationship, which we call the intoxication stage, the days of wine and roses when our partner can't but do brilliant and grand feats. Uh, it's characterized by idealization. It's characterized by a distortion along the positive axis. It's not accurate. It's not an accurate perception. So both partners are in a kind of a shared delusion. But fortunately, it's a, it's a folly ado and a very lovely time for couples. And that's followed by somewhere between two months and two years. And we say that because the more you know yourself, the greater you know yourself, the shorter your intoxication stage will be. The less amount of time you'll be able to stay in that intoxicated idealization of your partner. And at a certain point, what starts to happen is we start triggering one another. It's the beginning of the flashback stage where our partner ceases being all things grand and they start actually reminding us of some of the worst parts of what we grew up with. Yeah, so to I answer your question, Raz, if we're not on a path of personal development and we hit that metal stage and we start flashing back and we start having these consummately awful experiences at our partner's hands, it's actually called devaluation. It's a kind of a cognitive distortion, an emotional or psychological distortion, but it's along the negative axis. Mm -hmm. If we start having that experience and we're not on a path of personal development, we're cooked. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to kill our... Our chemistry, we, and we like to tell, we, you know, we use this 80-20 uh, principle. We say that 80% of the emotional juice of our worst conflicts has to do with people in the past, and 20% or less is actually about our partner. And sometimes it's 0%. Sometimes it's 100% paranoid projection. But if people don't understand, you know, people who are 
couples who have undertaken a path of person development together, at least in our model and working with the Hoffman model too, they are taught to recognize when they have been triggered into regressed states. In other words, when they lose their adult self and they get triggered into one of their child subpersonalities or their inner critic. And it's usually, you know, a young child or a teenage subpersonality. So all the people we work with understand that they get triggered unconsciously into regressions. And, and when they're regressed, into their children, they cannot be successful in their interactions. And that's just massively reframing for everything in life. And that would take a, any couple a great distance, just just being able to take responsibility for at least some of our triggers. So much to talk about on this subject with authors of The New Couple, Shauna McGee and Maurice Taylor, and we'd love for you to uh, play along with us here. 866-472-5788 is the phone line to call in if you have questions for our guests, Shauna and Maurice. They'd love to take your questions on as well. The number again is 866-472-5788, and we'll be back with much more learning around what it's like to be in a committed relationship in the 21st century right after this on the Hoffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. Again, that's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And welcome back to the Hoffman Connection. We're here with Shauna McGee and Maurice Taylor. You guys, one of the, you know, great components of intimate relationship is these are the people, our partners, the, the person in our life, perhaps who are most vulnerable. 
which leads us to the possibility, I guess, of um, being most easily shamed. You know, my, my most vulnerable places and anything that could sound hurtful in that direction could be quite shaming. And mm-hmm. how does, mm-hmm. Shauna, you're about to say something there? No, I mean it's it's true. If you if you get if you have an your inner critic is putting you down for something, we call it stereo effect. If I, my inner if I have if my child self has an erroneous belief about her worthiness or lovability or competencies, and someone outside someone outside like my husband echoes that, it's we call it the stereo effect. It can annihilate me because I'm already doing it to myself. And what about the opposite of that, too, that if you have an inner belief that you're not worthy or that, you know, I'm not unlovable and your partner is trying to support a different vision, I mean, it, 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 it seems like that would create a kind of conflict. Who do I trust here, my own inner belief about myself or what this person is trying to tell me? Well, it's true, Ed, and usually when there's goodwill like that, that will be communicated, and even if you run up against the a potent or, or particularly nasty inner belief about self, negative cognition about self, at some point that loving voice will find its way through. I think what's much more difficult in couples is when there isn't that goodwill and when, on the contrary, there's anger and there's resentment and maybe that's gone on for some time and it's putrefied into something like scorn or derision mm-hmm. or disdain, mm-hmm. even hatred. Contempt. In those moments, in those moments, that very private, intimate, public uh, divide can just be catastrophic because in those moments we see our couples do, we t- do it to each other at least until we get in there and help them you know, build boundaries around it when they shame each other and say things, have conflicts publicly, especially around where, Shauna said it earlier, people are beating up on themselves anyway. So for men, it's often around our competence. It's around our masculinity, our success as a provider, our success sexually, our looks, even and mm-hmm. for women it's you know often looks and you know weight different kinds of things and you know people say the worst things they can possibly say because as you said Ed, they know your story yeah. they know where your buttons are they know yeah. where the berries the bodies are buried and if we catch couples early enough, and one of our favorite things to do is to teach anger management and conflict resolution besides teaching about the subpersonalities and that's because uh, none of us was taught really what constitutes the ir- irresponsible acting out of anger. We think anger is all wrong and bad. Well, anger is a very necessary self-protecting emotion, but we, na- we usually see it in its toxic, acted out, unconscious, irresponsible form. So one of the first things we do is we teach couples to uh, recognize the 15 shadow faces of anger. So these are all different behavioral constructs that constitute irresponsibly acted out anger as opposed to communicating directly i'm frustrated that you forgot to pick up the dry cleaning or i'm angry that you just that you contradicted me on the radio or whatever rather <laughs> you know using saying something being sarcastic or rolling your eyes or there there are many ways we can act out our anger indirectly so if we tell we teach couples about this then they get to say ouch to each other that's one of our main tools that they, they agree that these 15 behaviors sarcasm name calling guilt trips unsolicited advice some of these are very unexpected um, once they have signed on they give each other permission to rehabilitate each other and call ouch when the other one uh, they experience the other one is acting out in any of these ways and that's an agreement right and the ouch doesn't necessarily 
uh, attribute blame, like you're you're doing something bad. It's just like, wow, that kind of hurt. Yeah, that's right. I experience you as acting out, whether it's true or not. It is my Maurice can say, hey, let's go, and I can almost feel punched just because of his energy level. That to me seems almost violent. He could say it to you know one of his guy friends and wouldn't he wouldn't notice it, but I say, ouch, because that's my that's my level of tolerance for that level of energy. And that agreement is made. Don't make wrong. That right, and that agreement is made in the in the cold light of day when we're not angry at each other, so that we agree a priori ahead of time that these fifteen varieties, these fifteen shadows, these faces of anger actually do represent acted out anger, and they are unacceptable in our relationship. So, Shauna and I will never argue with each other that it's okay for me to bully you, or it's okay for me to give you unsolicited advice, or minimize your experience, or invalidate you. Those are my current favorites, by the way, guys. That I just listed. We all do everything. I moved into a I moved into a real a distinct bullying phase. So it's, it's a one of the things I love listening to you is that you are working on your relationship, and that's very clear. And and you have used your relationship as a test bed, a learning uh, yeah. laboratory uh, for sharing what you and, and, and then you're sharing what you've learned with us. And I know you guys have been at it a long time. One of the things I, uh, you know, with, with just like with such interest and devotion to what you're learning and to each other. But um, I remember you saying recently, uh, we were talking and I think it was you, Shauna, who said, to stay in love, you need to learn how. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to do that. Yep. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I'd love to. Basically, you know, we teach, we teach three basic relationship tools, deep listening, emotional literacy, and conflict resolution, which include anger management. We, these are basic relationship tools. We don't think that anyone can really be successful unless they learn these three things. How to speak from speak from the heart, know how to speak from the heart, and be emotionally honest, and to be able to listen to another person from the heart, and to be able to recognize acted out anger, and to learn how to resolve conflict and negotiate. So that's these are the basic relationship uh, uh, skills that we think we can't afford that we need to learn in order to not fall out of love that's if we start out with requisite best friendship and sexual chemistries which are definitely you know pre-requirements so our system's really simple guys it's basically that that if you have any trouble or your partner has any trouble learning one of the basic relationship skills then it kicks us back to doing some emotional work then it kicks us back to doing some trauma healing work often because if we can't manage our anger, if we can't be emotionally literate, if we can't use our tools which require us to have access to our loving adult subpersonality, if we can't do any of those things, then we have some trauma in the way. And it just very naturally kicks us back into doing some trauma work, which Shauna and I do. I'll work with the guys in heterosexual couples. She'll work with the gals. In gay couples, we kind of mix and match with the personalities that line up nicely and we'll do some trauma work we'll do some somatic work or some emdr and help people through the kinks of childhood that preclude us from being in our loving adult with this person that we love so much and want to be you know want to show our best selves to i remember when i did the hoffman process and and liza did the hoffman process um i remember coming back i was the first one to do it and i realized the things that I did that triggered her, and I lost interest in doing that. And then I also noticed that when she got triggered about something, instead of it triggering me, I had compassion for the pain that she was feeling. 
And then when she did the process, uh, honestly, we each of us stopped doing things to trigger each other, and each of us became much more understanding when the other person was triggered. And, and like, you know, it's more like, I didn't mean to hurt you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of a thing, more compassion. And she's committed to her growth. I'm committed to my growth. I'm committed to her. She's committed to mine. And it's become kind of a formula for us to uh, really keep things moving. It's not like we don't have kinks, not like we don't run into issues, but it really has activated our, our, our life together, right. animated it, I should say. Raz, you're so right. If our self-love is high, our conflict level is is likely to be low just because we're going to be getting triggered less. I mean, self-love really to us just means a kind of a of a lack of emotional trauma presentation, a traumatic presentation. That's all it means. I mean, all of us are working on our self-love. We all have difficulties. We all have deficits. But to the extent that we are in our adults, we're just going to get triggered less, and something that might be the cause of a big conflict for one person is going to roll off somebody's back. It's not that we accept acted-out anger. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. It's just that we have a loving adult self that can see things in that that really grand, universal way that the adult and and I know you guys do all the work you've done, and you call it the spiritual self in Hoffman, and you know that is the analog for our loving adult. You know, you guys know that subpersonality well. When we're in that place, you know, we love everybody, and it's a it's a lovely place, and we're certainly not there all the time. And the person that brings up the the most challenging this is the big paradox of our of our life on Earth that the person that's going to bring up the biggest challenge to that equanimity is not going to be. You know, some stranger on the street. It's not going to be even a family member often. It's going to be our partner, the person with whom we have that psychosexual bond, because that's the place where we are brought neurologically into the deepest part of ourselves, the parts that are not contained in our cerebral cortex. We understand now with neuroscience that there's part of parts of us the limbic part of our brain, the parts where memories are stored in the hippocampus, the way the amygdala responds to and ignites all of that, that is not under our volitional control. And it doesn't matter how potent that V12 cerebral cortex we have or might have is, we cannot, we cannot wrestle that earlier experience into submission. There are just neurologic, psychological, neuroscientific structures that are really strong. Yeah, some, sometimes I think that the uh, a basic argument is whose version of reality is going to prevail, yours or mine, you know, in, in terms of a relationship. And if we have enough compassion or self-love, we can sort of allow that there are two realities or two different experiences, two different childhood upbringing that formed that reality mm-hmm. and to have compassion for each other rather than try to decide who's right or wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take a, a break a here, crap. you guys. I, I, I want to get back and see if what what tips you know to our listener. How can our listener glean some some sort of um, bit by yeah. bit information of how to move forward Perfect. in um, in relationship? Again, if you have uh, our listeners have any interest in calling with a question yourselves, the number here is eight six six four seven two fifty seven eighty eight eight six six four seven two 5788. We're just about ready to go to break. And we've got another half of the show with Shauna McGee and Maurice Taylor, authors of The New Couple, Why Old Rules Don't Work and What Does. We'll be right back on The Hoffman Connection.
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. This is Raz and Grossi, and as I was listening to uh, Maurice Taylor, just a few minutes before the break, and he was talking about the brain and how all of these um, parts of the brain interact with one another. I, I, I felt a sense of hopelessness coming over me. It's like, oh, my God, the brain is doing it, and there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, and, and then I started thinking about your tools, emotional literacy, deep listening, conflict, conflict resolution. And um, could either of you, Shauna or Maurice, comment on, what is, what is the possibility for using your tools to navigate this, uh, this pretty scary terrain of relationships? And, uh, and can the brain change? Yes, of course. You know, I'll, I'll answer that, uh, Raz. The, uh, the brain's plastic. I mean, we're in this business because it's exciting and extremely rewarding. I've healed. Maurice has healed. People heal. We get, we have, I have the bumper sticker. Healing happens. So we can heal uh, this, this kind of subclinical, low-level post-traumatic stress that we all suffer from in couples that gets triggered into the forms of inappropriate fight, flight, and freeze response, because that's, that's really what happens. We go into one of those basic uh, modes of reaction. Uh, the path to peace, which is kind of the crown jewel of the new couple, uh, couple uh, skills and tools, uh, teaches so many things at once. We can resolve, we can resolve conflict and it helps us, uh, actually transmute anger all the way, uh, into compassion, empathy, and understanding. So that's an amazing thing. Path to Peace not only resolves conflict, but it teaches emotional literacy because it, it leads us through, uh, the five major family of human emotions every time we do it. So if we have trouble being in touch with our fear, we get practice with 
communicating that we're afraid of something. So when we do the path to peace, we become emotionally literate. Our partner become, learns to deeply listen because our partner needs to hear us and also repeat verbatim each I statement that is spoken on the path to peace in the, in the process of resolving the conflict. So it also teaches us just to be present. It regulates our nervous system to sit there and listen so carefully. We know as therapists it's, it's, very, it's very relaxing and wonderful and zen to be a therapist, to sit there in that space of heartfelt listening. So couples are re-regulating their nervous systems and they're rewiring their brains when they use the path to peace, not just to resolve conflict. That's, that's another thing. That's its processional effect, if you will, that all these are processional effects. It's intended to uh, calm us down when we're angry, but it does so many wonderful things. So, can you comp? I guess there are a couple of questions that are there for me. I really appreciate what you just said. And I also am thinking about the difference between self regulation and using, trying to use someone else to regulate myself. So, uh, if I'm emotionally triggered and um, I could, I might, I might go to my wife with the hope that she will calm me down. And sometimes she does. Um, but uh, don't we all need to learn to self-regulate as, as so that we're not using each other in this way? Or what, what's your comment on that? Raz, it's, it's a really good question. Again, it's you know both both pieces of what you're saying are absolutely true in different in different cases. I mean, as human beings, what we've learned about attachment again over the last fifteen or twenty years, when the neuroscience has really gotten much more profound and extensive, is that we are all all of us connected to the people in our lives, our loved ones, in very deep and neurological ways. It's actually true. When you leave me, you take away a big part of me, maybe not the biggest part as the pop song goes, but a big part of me because there's a part of my brain, there's a neural network in my brain that absolutely corresponds to Shauna Marie McGee, and it is all wrapped around that that neural neighborhood in her brain and we are connected to each other so we certainly do form a resource for the other and we can support each other through all kinds of things now having said that it's not shauna's job to reparent my little boy who's eight years old and scared of his father or my teenager who felt suffocated by his mother and needs a sense of freedom from her, it's not her job to reparent him. So in that way, I do need to take responsibility for myself. That nervous system of mine is my responsibility. I can never say, you made me do this to you. You made me enraged. You know, you made me say these harsh things to you. That's rubbish. That's not true. So both both parts of what you're saying are profoundly true, Raz. Mm-hmm. And we know that, that partners are the major resource, often the major resource in one another's lives. That's why married people have statistics with all the demographic studies we've done of much higher happiness index scores mm-hmm. than single people do. I mean, we, we encourage our couples to touch at night, to sleep, to cuddle, to spoon, to make sure there's some contact in bed just for the, from the get-go. Mm. That's extremely healing and soothing. So, you know... Absolutely. You know, I, what Maurice says is, I don't bring my inner little girl to him and say, she's your responsibility, babysit her. She's got abandonment trauma. You make her feel like she'll never be alone. That's my job. And it's also a turnoff, by the way. When we're right. in regressed states and we're in our child selves with each other, you know, 
it's not very sexy. No, it's very, it comes off as very needy, doesn't it? It's a turn-off. Yeah, that's and right. So we, we explain that, and that encourages partners to do their inner work because they don't want to be turning each other off. I have one more question. I'm going to turn it over to Ed, but I just want to squeeze this one in. I've heard you define love as sexual chemistry plus best friend chemistry. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think you said the uh, you guys are known for sort of saying the way to take care of your relationship is to take care of the best friend chemistry. And if you don't, the sexual chemistry will be destroyed. Something like that. Am I in the right ballpark with what? Well, you're that's teaching? definitely for for most cases, Raz. That's true. I, sexual chemistry is a is a tricky kind of enterprise, and people often have uh, negative chemistry. That is, they they are aroused. Remember, chemi- sexual chemistry has to do with arousal, and arousal is one of those things that is not under our conscious control. We don't will ourselves to be aroused by someone. So we can have so-called negative chemistry with someone who is, say going to be bad for us, self-destructive. Maybe they're, you know, often it's somebody who reminds us of an early caregiver who was not healthy. So maybe a guy is into crash and burn type women. Women are into bad boys, whatever it might be. So the sexual chemistry piece is is tricky, but generally what you say is absolutely true. In Mm -hmm. the beginning of a relationship, a good one at least, we'll have best friendship chemistry. That's all the personality affinity that we have with another person. Whatever that means for us, for Shauna and me, it's all about you know, our intellectual connection. It's about our spiritual, psychological connection. You can tell we, we bond hugely in that world. We're both therapists, and this is, our, this is our life in a certain way, personal development, transformation. But whatever it is for people, whether you're into skiing or racquetball or reading, whatever, whatever floats your boat. So that's the personality, best friendship part. And we assume that when couples really, really click in the beginning, there's also that experience of sexual chemistry. Where are the arousal happens and you don't have to be consciously controlling that, monitoring it. Now, love, Raz, you mentioned love. I mean, love's something quite different. That's all the goodies that go in a relationship. We assume that you're going to experience love if you experience all those chemistries, but love, remember, and I don't want to get too metaphysical on you guys here, but love is the ground of being, we believe, of all of us. Love is one of those master forces in the universe that is the kind of core reality of everything all the time. And so love is a, it's a, it's a big concept, and it's one of those things that we're lucky to have full drafts of three, four, five, ten, hopefully a hundred times a day. I believe if we're doing our personal work, if we're surrounded by people that are loving, that can be resources for us, if we're doing whatever it is, we love to do in the world and aren't aren't really clogged and, and constricted with our mission in life, then we're going to have some healthy drafts of love every single day. So let me play a little bit of devil's advocate, and I'm sure you guys have faced this question many times. You know, I, I would guess that one of the old rules of relationship, whether explicit or just kind of under subterranean was, well, you fall in love, you meet somebody, and then you don't have to work because, you know, it's we're happy now versus, you know, the devil's advocate in me is going, God, that sounds like a lot of work. I mean, I'm signing up for a partnership and I've got to do my relational push-ups for the rest of my life too. Sounds well, like it's a lot kind of work. Of, except the reward is so quick and so sweet. 
that I think that it's very motivating to do, to learn some of these skills. And these skills, you know, emotional literacy is going to serve you every place in your life, including your own sense of serenity and self-forgiveness. And uh, learning how to resolve conflict and manage anger, you know, people are so happy to learn, oh, my God, no wonder it makes me so angry when he says that. He's minimizing me. He's, he is, or he's giving me unsolicited advice, or I'm being lectured or coached or taught when I didn't invite it, and, I, and that's insulting. People actually uh, very much enjoy learning these concepts and learning these tools. Absolutely. Ed, you said it very well. You're going to have to do your relational push-ups every day of your life. Absolutely. Just like you have to do your push-ups every day of your life. The new biochemistry of nutrition and, and exercise, by the way, has, has suggested to us that as mammals, if we don't exercise hard, hard, six to seven days a week, our brains think we're girding for a winter during which we're going to be starving to death. That was the only time during Neolithic and before times that we didn't exercise every day. So absolutely, you've got to do your relational push-ups every day, just like you have to keep your body in shape every day. And you've got to get your car serviced. And if you're in a profession, you're going to have to be training constantly. You're a neurosurgeon, and you're taking a month of classes. A pilot takes a month of classes every year just to stay current. And so- you bet you're bones, you're going to have to do those relational push-ups. Your relationship will wither and die. See, we know that a lot of relationship technology, a lot of the books, et cetera, that have had, that have had some currency in years past have been marketed to the child part of us because mm-hmm. the child part of us wants to think that we can have that, that glorious banana cream pie every day and never get fat. They, he wants to think, she wants to think that we can make love all the time or we can get all the love we want. Think of the titles of the big relationship books that have made it over the last years. Even men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I mean, who wants to, doesn't, what woman doesn't want to be a Venetian? And what man, little boy, man doesn't want to be a big, tough Martian, martial soldier? Marketed to the yeah, child. Warrior. And, and that whole premise that you can have something for nothing, that's Win the not true. That's not true. Anything in life requires it requires dedication, right? I mean, they say, well, what is it, 10,000 hours to be a master of something? 10,000 hours. So I'd love, and we're, we're just about to go to break or pretty quickly, but how do you titrate that over the different stages of a relationship from, you know, the whole new love to, um, uh, you know, deepening over time. And I'd like to kind of go in that direction. I think we're going to take a break pretty quickly here, Shauna and Maurice. Um, and when we do, I'd like to at least start there. How do you, you know, what's too much too early? And, and how do you build intimacy rather than just insist that it's there straight away through all that um, love at first sight kind of thing? Anyway, we are going to take a break. We're talking to Maurice Taylor and Shauna McGee, co-authors of The New Couple. And I understand that the book is now available out on paperback from Amazon. And, again, if you have questions you'd like to talk to Maurice or Shauna, we'll make way for you. Our phone number here at Voice America is 866-LET'S-SEE-I talked myself into a hole here 866-472-5788 866-472-5788 and we'll be right back with more on the Hoffman Connection
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. All right, we're back from the break here on the Hoffman Connection. Just uh, incidentally, if you're interested in learning more about the Hoffman process, um, every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock Pacific time. So if you're listening live right after this show, there's a free and confidential information call uh, that you can find out more from our website, hoffmaninstitute.org. There's a button there you can click to find more about the um, introduction call about the Hoffman process. And as long as we're talking about um, links and further information, Shauna, could you tell us about um, the new couple website and how people can get more information and more of your learning? Sure. We have our website is newcouple.com, and in particular, we have free podcast archive. We have our own show uh, twice a month called Love is on the Air, call-in relationship show, and we have available more than 70 podcasted shows that are just free online, so anyone can go there and hear past shows, and they are by subject matter and date. And, uh, of course, you can like us on Facebook at Taylor and McGee Radio and uh, on Twitter. Great. And the, and the book is called The New Couple, and it's out now available on Amazon in uh, paperback. Yes, the new U.S. paperback is out, and it's very pretty. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we, before we went to the break, you know, different people, different couples in different stages of relationship, whether brand new or, you know, many, many years together, um, have different sort of levels of work to do um, and, you know, sort of how, how intimate is too much at the start. Um, what, can you guys give us some tips about, well, just how to keep the love alive and, and maybe at different points in the course of, of being together? I have very 
very simple. Well, the first tip is simply that, you know, uh, for single people to get their list of core conditions together, to really know what the non-negotiables are for any relationship. And we have some universal core conditions that we recommend to everybody. But, you know, the, the fine art of partner picking is terribly, terribly under undercoached in our world. So that's a way of avoiding a lot of problems if you know what your non-negotiables are going in. Another thing, and just in terms of speaking to each other, if you're frustrated with your partner, one thing that's really, really helpful, a good trick, is just to tell him or her what you're worried about. Rather than saying, I'm angry, you can just just dive under it and, and figure out what you're worried about. So I could be angry that Maurice is, you know, laughing too loudly, but I won't say that. I might say instead, honey, I'm worried that we're disturbing the neighbors. What do you think? So there's a great tip to avoid creating more conflict when you're already a little bit stressed out by your partner. Right. We say in the process that anger is preceded by some hurt, and if I can get in touch with a hurt and communicate that, I can invite somebody in rather than push them away. Yeah. Yeah. And, Any and, other tools or tips that you want to share with our listening audience? Well, well as you reference the whole idea of when is it too early in a new relationship to start talking about all this. And we have found, that is the world of personal development, and we have found that our couples that come in early just to do some relationship skill acquisition. Often it, it'll be the case that somebody will have heard of us and they'll even give a friend or a, a child, a loved one, a couple of sessions with us for a, for a new couple. That is a couple that's newly together. And so they'll come in and they'll, there'll be lots of love flying and lots, lots of yummy neurochemicals, lots of dopamine and oxytocin and norepinephrine and all the goodies. And uh, those couples embrace our model like nobody's business because they see the wisdom of it. They are in touch with the grandeur of what they're experiencing and they naturally want to preserve it. And we've also found that our singles, the people that we've been working with for a while, that, that go out there and find, find relationships. I mean, the earlier you let somebody know what you're all about and that this is a non-negotiable part of what you consider mm -hmm. the only sane way to proceed in a love relationship. The earlier that you're able to do that, the better. Because I'll tell you what, if you get attached to somebody who is absolutely not interested in doing this work, you're going to find yourself in that unadmirable position of being in a new mixed marriage, and it's just no fun. The, the curtain is going to fall. You're going to hit that middle stage of relationship. And if you don't have somebody in there with you that's willing to plow the field, at least somewhat, it's going to be a rough ride. And it seems to me that you're – I love something you just said because it indicates that, hey, you are going to get attached to somebody. <laughs> and unless, unless you're clear about your non-negotiables up front, you're going to find yourself attached, deeply attached to someone – where it's not going to work. I know. And, I know. And, yeah. So it's not like you later have a choice, so I'll just get out of this. No. No, you, you get deeply enmeshed. It's heartbreaking. So you can help, help, you know, save yourself some heartbreak. And, you know, I was just saying, you know, it isn't our job to keep couples together. Uh, we, we help them determine whether their relationships are viable and healthy and whether their core conditions match up, you know. So it's really important, you know, we try to catch the thief on the doorstep. It's really important to go in and know who you are and what is important to you and to communicate that right up front. And just don't waste everybody's time. You have a lot more fun. 
And a quick tip, guys, that any couple, anybody out there listening right now can use in their relationship by themselves, the next time things get a little heated and they start speeding up, if you, as, as the partner that's listening now, if you can try to just say to your partner, what I heard you say was this, and before you respond to what you heard, just repeat it back. Just make sure you heard it, even if it's not your version of reality, even if you're angry at what you heard, just slow it down and say, let me make sure I heard you. This is what I heard you say. It is the most powerful tool. We use it in therapy. It'll sound familiar to to you, Ed, and those of you who are therapists out there. And it's just an incredible tool to slow things down and let the nervous system have some new options. Mm -hmm. You've got to be a little conscious to do it, but it's awfully great. And you can also go to our website or in the beginning of our book and take the couple quiz or the quiz for single people. And that's a, those, are, those are great tools you can use right away just to check yourself out and check out your relationship. I want to encourage people to get that book because the book is itself a course in building a stronger, more resilient, loving relationship. So uh, you and your partner or you yourself can change your life just by getting hold of that book. Thank you. And it's newcouple.com. Shauna McGee, Maurice Taylor, thank you so much for being on the Hoffman Connection this afternoon. Thank you. It's our pleasure. We're big fans of the Hoffman process and of both of you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Uh, I want to invite all our listeners to join us next week. We have special guest Rich Dutra St. John, the founder of Challenge Day. He and his wife, Yvonne, have founded Challenge Day and... You've probably seen it on 60 Minutes. It's been on a number of times. This organization, which positively helps affect the lives of hundreds of thousands of teenagers every year and adults, they operate in 39 states, six Canadian provinces, and they come in to a high school and change that high school's emotional life, make it more positive, more powerful in one day, the challenge day. So tune in next week and find out all the good that can happen in a high school in one day and how, and so, they, how they came to it. Great, Raz. And just to finish off, to learn more about the Hoffman process, our free introductory call every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. And you can go to our website to get more information about our course and about that introduction call. It's hoffmaninstitute.org, hoffmaninstitute.org. Be back next week here on the Hoffman Connection Voice America Radio. Thanks, Raz. Thank you, Ed. See you next week. Thanks, week. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.